is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Plays. Me, your boy Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. How we doing, gentlemen? I have officially thawed out from the stadium <laughs> series game, so I'm, I'm doing... Happy for you, buddy. I'm doing well now. It took a while to actually thaw out from yeah. being really, really cold. But My uh, fiance's feet were, like, still freezing cold by, like monday like her that, toes they're that frigid. sounds like i i told mind. her she might need to go to the doctor but it, she, she's she's fine they're not they're not black so it's not hypothermia so that's good that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was so cold and then such a bad game for a flyers fan it was like you're suffering twice which kind of sucks yeah uh we'll talk about it. we're about we'll to talk, talk we'll about we'll, it. Talk, we'll talk about it we'll talk about it um, but Adam, how about you? How you doing? I mean, you're yeah. you're in the frozen tundras up there in the woods. Yeah, you know it's fine. Uh, it's snow is starting to leave. Kind of feels not at all like that. That fucking groundhog is telling the truth. <laughs> um, Phil, Phil always be lying. Phil's lying. True, in more Phil's ways than one. Phil be lying. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's good. If it's if it's melting at least a little bit in the uh, I can see tundras. the ground. <laughs> Whoa! I didn't know you were allowed to do that in the Poconos. I kind of it's, thought that it's was crazy illegal. Um, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I thought it was illegal. <laughs> I thought it was illegal. Um, all righty then. Let's just let's just go ahead and get into it, right? Um, stadium series. Um, first first news is that uh, it was a huge uh, TV success. The um, Rangers uh, Rangers Islanders one was the most viewed regular season telecast on the ABC network since 2021 and uh, Devils Flyers also up from last year's event a uh, huge event not only in actual spectators but uh, also television numbers uh, 150,000 fans at MetLife for the two games and an average of 1.37 million viewers, including 448,000 in the 18 to 49 year old demographic, which is fantastic. Damn. Really, what you're trying to nail um, in sports as a whole. That when you can get that kind of demographic, you have a good chance in the future to um, grow the game. But the game Sunday averaged 1.57 million total viewers, 487,000. In the 18 to 49 demographic, peaking at 2.38 million viewers, an increase of 38% and 31% from last year's stadium series games between the Washington Capitals and the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, it's the most viewed stadium series since 2019. Um, so things are looking up, especially when you have good telecasts like what they're doing with TNT and, uh, you know, the ESPN guys are doing well. Um, hockey right now, as far as a um, entertainment aspect like an actual viewing aspect is on the rise which is great because that means good that that just is going to mean good things for the game and getting more eyes on the game and getting more fans and buildings so um that is super uh awesome for the league and uh, i mean being at the event um it was great i thought it was i thought it was a cool event um everything was cool on the inside the the park aspect was a little weird um, oh, I, I saw people talking about that where they had like NPCs walking around. I was just actors was weird. walking around. There was dogs though. There was dogs out there. Listen, so that, was, that was cute. That was really cute. Um, Wait, did you see Gritty in the pit at the Jonas Brothers? Pre-game? I did. I did. I was laughing. That so was so hard. great. He was so oh. he was holding up signs that said, "I have your cake by the ocean right here." <laughs> that that one that one had me. That one had me rolling. Um, 
flashing yeah. the Joe Bros too. Dude, you gotta love the Joe Bros. You know what's funny is I'm I'm at this pregame concert. I didn't realize how many Jonas Brothers songs I knew. Oh, um, that I was like, this is uh, disturbing. No, okay. This is I'm, I'm slightly concerned. I am. Um, I was really happy that um, Joe did some stuff when he was with that band DNCE because I really liked some of their stuff. Um, so that was cool. Uh, Nick Jonas obviously did some of his solo stuff. No love for Kevin. No love for Kevin Jonas. He, did, uh, he I don't didn't think... do anything solo. Yeah, did I don't he? think he had a solo career. So I guess there's not a whole lot you can do for the guy. But uh, uh, nonetheless, the uh, the whole spectacle was great. The pregame concert was awesome. Um, cool little wrinkle. I mean, not for Flyers fans, but the uh, the Gaslight Anthem, who does the uh, Devil's Goal song, was on site the entire time and would play their goal song live every That's time they sick. scored. I thought that was pretty. It sucked. Don't get me oh, wrong. Oh well, it was for not. You, six, you heard it, it six times. Yeah, because we, we heard it too many times. But like, that's a cool. That's a cool thing to just do, right? Uh, especially when you you look at the Devils of, as an organization. They're kind of known for being, um, at least in like the the uh, punk and uh, hardcore scene. They usually have like kind of hardcore punk bands playing in the concourse area before games. And they're local bands too, so they're they're kind of one of those organizations that really prides themselves in bringing in local, um, you know, rock music into the concourse for for home games. So it's cool to see them do something like this. I think that's a that's a huge uh, thing for an organization to do. I love that uh, in its entirety. Uh, fuck the Devils first, but you know, um, <laughs> they did have cool... Bruce Bruce Springsteen's saxophone player play the national anthem. That was also I... cool. Yeah, that, that was, was really cool. they had as they had they had Clarence Clemens' son do the uh, the national anthem on the stack. The whole thing was very well thought out. It was just very rude that the Devils decided to win the game. That's a little fucked up to me. I mean, I'm just you know just for, well, from a from rude that they'd win on their whole ice space. Kind of rude, it was, right? <laughs> I'm more frustrated with the Flyers because, like, they didn't play like they played a great second period. Like, when they really turned it on in the second period, I'm like, and they were all over New Jersey, I'm like, oh, we're going to win this game. If we can do this in the second, third period, like, they're not going to stop us. And like they gave up that late one in the second. And then the, they everything. gave the yeah. slashing by Teak on the power play. First and of all. the high stick by Sealer late in the period just killed their momentum. First and of then, all, that slash was fucking weak, okay? He did not hit him that hard. Brandon Smith took a goddamn flop, and I I know it because I I could see it. I was all the way at the top, and I saw that flop. Okay, he did not hit him that hard. I've watched it from all angles. It was not your your leg is padded. You're fine. And also, I'm pretty sure you just hit him on the skate, which is like one of the more protected things on the body. That thing is reinforced. He probably only felt it and was like, "Here's my time to shine, baby," and just fell <laughs> over. Um, so. Yeah. It was obviously the right thing to do when you're on the penalty kill, right? If you have an opportunity to get back two minutes, you know, it's a good thing to do. But you're right. Um, the Flyers did look good in the second period, and then just everything kind of fell apart when you have back-to-back kills like that. So Yeah, um, but it's one of those things like mm-hmm. Sam, Sam Harrison, the goalie, didn't have his best stuff. Neither did Nico Dawes, though. He was getting uh, picked apart. No, top neither, go- neither goalies yeah. had good stuff. It's just those rebound goals. Like when Urson's mm-hmm. on his game, he doesn't let up those rebounds. And um, it was just, you know, the first shift, because obviously the Flyers let up a breakaway goal by Nico. He shared in the first 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Like yeah. they were pinning New Jersey in and they were like 
they were doing what they needed to do, like establishing their dominance and just that one little mistake of being too aggressive and Nico Heischer was off their races. And, you know, it's the same thing that happened in the uh, stadium series game at Lake Tahoe between the uh, Flyers and Bruins. It's like the Flyers were, you know, playing a good first shift and then two on one with Marshawn and Pasternak coming the other way while the goalie at the time, Car Hart, was looking right into the sun. Like, you can't, in these type of games, like, you can't have an A plus opportunity as your first chance. Like, is that just can't happen? Yeah. So, by the way, uh, and just something to note, I'm not quite sure if this is because obviously it's a football stadium, so you'd think the entire stadium is lighted uh, equally. The one side did see the most goals scored on it, whether it was uh, Arison or Dawes in net, and that was the side that I was sitting on. And I thought that there was a pretty severe glare on that side. I don't know if there was one on the other side. Um, but they, something to note, I don't, I don't know if that's, that's, you know, an actual thing. And if either goalie will talk about it, they probably won't. Um, but that, that was something to notice just for both teams scored a majority of their goals on that side of the ice. Um, and it looked like for either, for a lot of those goals that were scored, if it came from not a, a rebound in tight, it looked like the goalie just couldn't see it, um, mm. without there being a screen. Uh, the one where uh, it was either Tippett's first or second from the slot, um, just just right top cheddar. Um, I, I think it was his first from from the slot, uh, top cheddar. It looks like Dawes couldn't see it, and you know, uh, Arison got sniped twice up high from that side, and it looks like he just couldn't find it. And you got to think, as a goalie, that's got to be a weird um, transition, right? Um, to playing outdoors, having different sight lines like that. Like, I get that they have a practice there, but it's different, you know, when, when they it comes practice to during time. the day, what sense does that make? These guys it makes are no sense at, at night and they have to practice in the day. Like, what because sense? yeah, when they practice during the day, that does not account for the glares that could happen from stadium lights that glare onto a white yeah. surface, you know? So you're not expecting that practice at night either right there's there's a bunch of different um ways to kind of look at you know certain things that happen in outdoor games you know so a lot of people are like outdoor games usually low scoring because the teams are scared because they don't really know the ice surface i usually find outdoor games can be boat races if both teams want it to be right yes play like weird weird goals happen yeah you play like you're on the pond weird goals happen in outdoor games all the time a la the um what was that? Jake Voracek in the the one against the Penguins. Yeah. He was he was like below the goal line and scored one off the inside pad. Uh, so weird stuff like that can happen to outdoor games all the time. I'm not going to make any excuses for for uh, either goaltender. You know, to do your job. Obviously, you get paid millions of dollars. But there's something to be said about you know the possibility of the glare of the stadium lights onto the ice. I don't know, just me. But um, I, overall, if I'm going to take my Flyers fandom out of out of this. Fantastic event, cool game. Uh, again, the the thing that they did with the gaslight anthem after the goals that was fucking cool. That's Clarence, so smart. Yeah, I mean Clarence Clemens' son um, doing the doing the anthem, another uh, nod to Jersey. It was a cool event uh, the whole way around. It's a cool event. The one complaint I have is like people overhype this game like way too much, and that and that the at the bottom of the line is. It's just a regular season game. It's one right. out of 82. Like, you know, like the Flyers kind of, you know, didn't play their best game. It doesn't push the fact that 
they're still in the third place in the division and like you know still have plenty of other games remaining and like you just look at you know obviously Philadelphia's known for overreacting and well, of course that of course after that game like would never do that you can oh yeah okay. i didn't try to fight anybody on my way out of the stadium <laughs> i would i wouldn't do that for a regular season game matthew come on now but just you know, national television just the fact that like you know you gotta understand it's like these games get so such so much media attention but at the end of the day they're just like any other regular season game like one mm-hmm. out of 82 so yeah that's how i've always looked at them i had fun even though I was freezing, you know, I finally thawed out. It was fun. My sister had a good time. Just yeah. uh, hate the devils and their fans, you know? Yeah, look, that. you know, just <laughs> f- fuck, fuck the devils. However, genius moves by the franchise all the way around. And even the fact that the Gaslight Anthem is a, is a band from Jersey on top of it, you know, it, it's, I, I hate them, but they make, they make, they have good ideas sometimes. You know what I mean? I think I can respect that, I think. Um, Adam, did you get to watch any of the stadium series from, uh, from home at all? I got to watch the last maybe five minutes of the Flyers Devils game. Um, I think by the time I got home, it was in like the final stretch, but by that point, the game was practically over. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I didn't get to see any of the Rangers Islanders game, unfortunately, because I was working during that, Um, What a boat race that that game was, I was going to say, it sounded like. Just reading the group chat, watching Max freak out over the Rangers losing, and then having like twenty minutes go by, and then he's freaking out because the comeback has started. And I'm like yes. at w- work, looking at my phone, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, that that New York New York game, the Islanders Rangers. Um, just to transition to that, that was game? that was insane. Um. I didn't get to watch any of the pregame spectacle for that game, so um, sorry, I, I don't have any insider information on that at all. Um, however, the game itself, wild, right? You, you you look at the first period, you're like, okay, so the Islanders are just going to lock this one down. Here come the Rangers doing classic Ranger things. Then it goes to overtime, and you have a Panarin goal that did the net come off first? Did it really go in? It, 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 it did. It did. It 100% right? did, but I found out why that counted. And it was because the Islander player knocked his own net off the okay the, without the being boring. without being forced to do so. Right, that makes so sense. I that I saw sense. that, and then I heard a lot of people saying that the NHL has a rule that if the net comes off in a situation like that, I don't think like if the goalie pushed the net over while someone was taking a shot, I don't know if they would count that or not necessarily hmm. um but if the shot is being taken at the same time that the net has come dislodged they act as if the goal is still in place so if the puck enters the net it still counts as a goal because okay. it, it was like in motion kind right. of thing i mean that um, makes total sense to me yeah if you're a defending team you can't just say fuck it i'm gonna remove the net right and you can't um, score now you know that makes sense I don't know if I necessarily agree with it because it just seems it. so weird, but I do, I can't understand it. But, you know, besides that, the rule and the ruling that, that it followed, what an awesome final sequence of a game. That was, yeah, that was cool as shit. I loved every moment of that. Um, that game was classic. I think, I think both of these games were very classic outdoor games where 
anything could happen legitimately anything mm-hmm. um you know left and right uh it was um just craziness from all other, angles which is kind thing, of the cool part about playing outside but yeah go ahead Adam. the other big thing coming out of the rangers islanders game was the first time ever a rookie made his debut in an outdoor game and then proceeded to have a fight like what five minutes later <laughs> it was beautiful did you hear his reasoning for getting into the fight no, I did not. He made basically the the end all be all was he said, yeah, the guy asked, and I was like, yeah, that's awesome. it's like that's, that's that's just that's that's hockey, that's beautiful. And he's a big dude. I mean, that was a, that was a tilt. That was that that was not like a that was not like a kid was just trying to make a name for himself. That was a kid that's like seen some fisticuffs in his that's time awesome. playing professionally, and he was like, yeah, it doesn't matter what stage I'm on, I will fight somebody. And I fucking I love that shit. I love it. I love it so much. Um. Yeah, that's a that's a cool little record to hold, uh, personally. You know, what yeah. I mean? just having Hopefully that. Hopefully, he sticks around because that's like some that's something awesome that you can kind of hang your hat on. Yeah, I mean, the good news is is that he doesn't have to have a long career to hold that. I don't, I don't foresee that situation happening too often. You know what I mean? No, probably not. What a weird thing to have your uh, NHL debut outside, though, huh? Yeah, that's got to be like an out of body experience. And it's like, wow, everybody's really hyped about my first game. It's kind of cool. Everybody's like really excited about this. Could you imagine doing the rookie solo lap? He in did. An outdoor are- I know, but that's what I mean. Could you just imagine having to do that in an outdoor arena? That's got to be like, what is happening? How it's did I like get a, here? It's going to be like an ethereal experience. Just it's got to be. Rookie skate in the middle of MetLife Stadium. Uh, oh, my God. In front of hundreds of thousands of fans. That was That must be fucking nuts. Um, yeah, really cool experience overall on the weekend. I think the NHL really, I think they nail it with these outdoor events. Um, I, I think they're continuously doing a really good job on them. I, I think we can ease up on having Chicago in every single one for, you know, a moment, but they, you know, Hey, whatever you want to do, obviously, but I want to say who dropped the ball in this event. And oh, that is, go. that is definitely Lou Lamorello because every team <laughs> in this event, did something cool as their entrance. Like the Flyers were dressed as Rocky with the sweats, sweatpants, yep. sweatshirt, and the uh the white towel. The gray, like, looking, yeah. like Ro- looking like Rocky running the steps. Uh the the devils were like um the Sopranos. Sopranos. Yeah. You yeah. Know, big what did the, what did the Rangers do? They were they came uh, in on the were... NYPD and the FYP. Oh, that's hockey jerseys for the the fire department and the police department. That's cool. And then Lou Lamorello makes these guys wear suits, and it's like to be fair, the Devils also wore suits. No, they did. They they no, they, wore, they wore specific it's sweat still, suits though. It's they still did not wear suit. not Jack Hughes was not wearing a suit. That is for certain. No, no, did you you like, saw what the Devils did, Adam? Right? It was a it was the Sopranos. Like I saw that, but I'm I'm I mean that's it's not a suit. suit. It's not a suit. Hold yeah, on. it's a it's an outfit. I would call it an ensemble, perhaps. I would not say a suit. Okay, now I see what you're saying. I yeah, thought Lou they were wearing, like Lou Lamarillo is a little fucking computer. nerd. Okay, he just not allowed to have any fun. It's, I think it's weird how it's like the fact that like. Like he's still this old school tri- or old school type of guy. Like wants his the team to have like low numbers, like freshly shaven, dressed in a suit, and then we get he, for as a fire's perspective, a guy like Torts who's like 
trying to wear just a pullover behind the bench with the flyer pin logo, just that has uh, moved the dress code down for the flyers. I don't know about home games, but away, they just have to wear like, you know, black on black, like with a polo with the flyers logo on it. And it's like, so like, so new school type thinking. And then Lou Lamorello is just like, I don't give I don't give a crap what these guys think. They gotta wear suits. I don't I don't give a hoot. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing that I love about Torts is he he is kind of a more casual guy the longer that he's been in the league because when he came in the league he was a suit behind the bench kind of fella. Um, and you know he's kind of relaxed a little bit. You know, wearing the wearing the sweater vest and thing not sweater vest but a like a pullover pullover. No, still, still wears a tie. But um, the, does he even wear the tie? Does he even wear? The he's tie? not wearing the tie anymore. I gotta, I gotta notice this stuff. Um, but there's this, there's this sweater. This is gonna, this is super off topic, but I've been obsessing over it for a while. There's a sweater that he wears during post game interviews, um, or pre game interviews. It's just a regular black crew neck, with a with just the Flyers logo directly in the middle. And I am fucking obsessed with this thing. And I've been trying to find it. You can buy it. Probably, yeah, I, I can't. I can't find the damn thing, Matthew. I don't know where he got it from, <laughs> or or where it is. But I cannot find it, Matt. I swear to God, I don't know where it is. It has to be in the team store at the. Wells See, Fargo that's Center. what I. That's what I thought. That is or, what I thought. I, the, the Flyers have partnered with a former Flyer, Billy Leno, and Billy Leno has like his own clothing brand. And uh, dude, is it Billy Leno's? It might be Billy Lano's. Look up Billy Lano's. You know it's gonna be brand. expensive as fuck. Oh no, yeah, it's ridiculous. There's this nice uh varsity jacket on there that's like like two sixty-five. And I'm like, I want to. Like I really want the jacket, but I don't want to drop like two sixty-five on a jacket. You know, that is I mean? fair. That is fair. That's a lot of money for a jacket for what it's worth. Yeah. yeah. Um oh is it is this it? Billy Billy Bano? Yes, Billy Bano, yes. I, yes. swear to, I swear to God, if this is where I have to find this fucking crew neck, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to lose it. I swear. But I th- I really want to know where the uh, the varsity jacket for the stadium series was, where I can get it. If it ever goes on sale, the, the, the silk one, the orange base with the white white uh sleeves that like the oh, coaches were wearing yeah, for the stadium yeah, yeah, series yeah, yeah i know what like you're i thought yeah. that was like that would be a cool one to have their collection because i got the black one i got the black one yeah, that was the giveaway right i don't uh, know if it was uh, i think fans had to buy it fans definitely had to buy it but right, uh well, good news bad news it, uh the crew next sweater I'm, I'm talking about not on this website where John Tortorella found this fucking thing. And, you know, if you're, if you're a Flyers fan listening to the podcast, I, I implore you the next time or the next couple of times, because he doesn't wear it every time, but I see a lot. You you see a pregame or a postgame press, presser with, with John Tortorella, and you see that crew neck. Message the podcast. Send a screenshot. Hunt this fucking thing down. I want it so bad, and I don't know why. It is like... Wait a minute. Well, incredibly simple, right? You're asking the the faithful listeners to reach out we've got our insider in the call right now i matt know Fish matt i need you to talk to john about people. where his clothes are man <laughs> i needs <laughs> to know <laughs> where did i'll you do my homework this? Uh, they also just released the uh mic'd up stadium series clips Ooh. i saw that here's yeah. the problem with watching and, and, and this is not just a flyers thing but like this is a problem i have with this stuff right 
you hear like TK talking shit on Brandon Smith, which is which is which is fine. I love that. When you look, when you think back to the game, by the time TK was talking shit, they were already losing three one. What are we doing here, Trat? You can't. Was that, you're, uh, you're I, down, dude. Like it, my my whole concept on chirping is if you're down in the game, shut the fuck up. Because if you're chirping me and we have a lead, I'm just going to say scoreboard. That's all I'm going to say to you. Because no, no duh, right? Who you cannot chirp when you're down that big, and was the that momentum when that was is not in your favor. When it was three one, I'm fairly certain. If I was, if I'm, I might not be correct to to be completely honest with you, but I'm fairly certain that that is when it was happening. I was like, dude, just a just a bad timing all around. What I mean, what are we doing? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I digress. What are you going to do? But uh, yeah, the, uh, I like the mic'd up stuff. I've always liked mic'd up stuff. Um, I I like it more when I don't have a rooting interest in the mic'd up stuff. I don't know why. I just feel like it's funnier when it's other people having to worry about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and not me. But, uh, oh, this is it? This logo's too big. I'm I'm gonna stop on I'm not gonna stop on shopping while I'm on the podcast. Um all right. But anyways, <laughs> um I think the the biggest takeaway from the stadium series is the NHL continues to do uh, great with these outdoor events. And you know, I'm not I don't want more because I, I feel like if you start doing more outdoor events, because you already have the winter classic, the stadium series, the heritage classic, I feel like when you start doing more, it's gonna be a little bit of an overkill. I think they're at the perfect amount of outdoor games. Um, I do suggest moving the Heritage Classic outside of the Memorial Stadium in in um, is that in Calgary? Well, it's in Alberta. Either way, um, moving it out of that stadium because that thing is is falling apart and just decrepit and kind of small, and putting it like just anywhere else. Really, I mean the the Calgary Roughnecks of the CFL have this beautiful stadium, right? Use that. You know what I mean? They um, move it. What was that? I, said, I was gonna say they they move that. The game around did they yeah i, I thought just it was like, always in that stadium no they did uh well last year they were in the commonwealth stadium um the year prior 22 they were in tim hortons yeah i just like the uh the timing of every game like the right. heritage classics at the beginning of the season the winter classics the celebration of the new year and that's um like right before halfway mark mm-hmm. i think and then the stadium series is like, you know, in February. Playoffs are right around the corner. Right. Like, I like. I just like the timing of them. Yeah. No. I think. I think they nail it. Um. Which is. Which is awesome. It's awesome for the game. It's awesome for the league. So, kudos to the NHL on a successful stadium series weekend. One of the more successful ones they've had. So right on. Uh. To keep moving forward here. Um. A hockey game, in fact, outscored the first half. Of the Super Bowl. That is right. As the Wild and Canucks uh, <laughs> have quite the barn burner of a game that ends 10-7 what is in the Wild's on? favor. Um, a insane game that after the first period, I believe the score was like 5-2? Something like that? 5-1? Let me see. I gotta find the box score. Oh, okay, so I'm is, trying to find the, the box score right now. Yeah, 
at the end of what period? The first. End of the first? It looks like it was 2-1 Vancouver. And then okay. it became uh, 5-3 Vancouver. And then the Wilds scored a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> and then touchdown on the board. Um, yeah, I mean, it was truly... <laughs> Go ahead. It's literally a safety field goal and a safety for Vancouver, followed by an impossible one pointer by Minnesota, a safety and a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> absolute insanity coming out of that game. I don't even know what to what to really think about something like that. Um, but uh, interesting conversation we had before we got on that I would like to kind of continue here. This season there have been higher scoring games right yeah there's been there's been a lot of them i've uh, seen two <laughs> yeah um you know you have those back-to-back games unfortunately for for mm-hmm. San Jose, and then you have games like this and you know a couple other barn burners around the league what do we what do we think that the, the cause of this is do you think it's poor goaltending do you think it's uh higher offensive scoring do you think that the game is just a little bit looser on defense what do you think the main catalyst to this kind of goal scoring in the league nowadays is I think I I want to start off because I I want I want to dip my toes in this pond. Um, okay. I think it's the amount of pa- penalties that are being called. I think that's my first insight as like the penalties get called and then the power plays happen. And not only did the, like goals happen on like the power play and like shorthanded goals, like you see, especially us Flyers fans, we've seen a lot of shorthanded goals. But it's the momentum because when a special teams happens, like momentum gets thrown in the air. Like who the who the heck's gonna catch it? Is the team who has the power play? Is it the team that's killing the penalty? Um, and that has to deal with it. Um, the other my other point is when it's kind of a a torts point, and that there is a lot more mistakes that be get made in today's NHL than like ever before. Like it's a mistakes ridden game. And he, our coach has talked about, he's like, you know, there's a lot of times I'm biting my lip and turning the other way because, you know, that's how I had to coach. I have to let these people make mistakes because I, because that's what makes them great. Like he talks about Travis connect He's like, he goes, there are times Travis connect me. Connect me makes me want to rip my hair out of my head. He just play. He makes so many mistakes out there, but he goes. That's what makes him special. Is he's not afraid to be aggressive, be very aggressive. I go and he goes. If I overcoach this guy, I'm gonna make him a below average hockey player. So like, I just turn my head and you know bite my lip. And there's a lot more mistakes. There's a lot more rush goals. You know, your odd man rushes, your turnovers that lead to, you know, grade A scoring chances. It's a lot more of that. There's no, there really isn't a team, not even the Islanders. There's really not a team that plays like a 1-3-1 one, one anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you, you see the mistakes and the league wants it. Like, because the league knows the stars in this league are. You know, your goal scorers, your Connor McDavid's, your Austin Matthews, your Jack Hughes's, like, you know, obviously Connor Bedard, even though he's not technically putting up those great, great numbers, but they know he will. Mm-hmm. Like, they want that. 
They right. want Connor. They want Austin Matthews to hit sixty this year. Mm-hmm. Like they want that because they yeah. that, that's what draws in fans. Right, and you to kind of piggyback off that point, you do you do bring up a very good argument that just the way that hockey is coached nowadays um, is the the way the way to do it now is you have to be aggressive and make mistakes. Cause it's the only way you're going to get just that extra step that causes a rush in the other direction, because the game is so fast. There's, there's really not many teams that can make it nowadays without having a little bit of speed and a little bit of rush uh, prowess on, on their side. It, it's just kind of the way that the game is moving, which is, you know, that's what kind of what you expect as the game gets younger and faster and, and all that jazz. Um, However, you still you still have um, teams that are built on their ability to lock uh, opponents down in the offensive zone. Um, but I I kind of agree with Matt. I think offensive possession zone scoring is down around the league. I don't know if that's an actual stat. I could be just talking completely out of my ass here. But I think like teams possessing the puck in the zone, moving it around, and scoring based off that has really diminished in the league. And a lot more teams are looking for that that rush attempt, that intercepted pass that springs the the two-on-one, the three-on-one, the three-on-two, you know what I mean? So I think that is also where a lot of those mistakes are come from because when you try to jump that pass and you miss, there's now a free-roaming defenseman with the puck in, in the zone. A defenseman's got to come up to the top to try and get a block on. You have a couple free passes. And, and, you know, it probably winds up in the back of the net with, you know, if, if it's a bunch of first liners out there and guys that can, can score. So there, that's a, that's a really good point that um, the, that could be because of uh, just aggressiveness. And that's the way that the game is coached now. Adam, what about you? What do you think is the catalyst for this uh, football esque scoring in the NHL right now? I honestly don't know. I think you boys both brought up really good points between um, the aggression going up, the, uh, penalties being a factor, although right now, Fish, I was looking into the, the whole penalties thing, and it looks like penalties are kind of down for right now. Yeah. now. Granted, we're 55 games into the season, um, but only one team of the 32 so far has cracked 300 penalty minutes, and that's the Anaheim Ducks with 304, whereas last season there was at least, I think I saw like 10 over 300 pushing 400 penalty minutes. Dude, I've um, seen I've seen so much like calls being made now. I'm like, yeah. you figured like power plays are up. So I mean, there's still time. It's, we're 55 games into 82, so those numbers very well could rise. But as things stand out, it's looking like it might be a down year for penalties. I mean, I have to actually like do the math and see like it could just be penalties are spread out more than they were the season before. Um, but there could be something there. I think there's definitely uh higher emphasis on aggressive style of play instead of a more defensive style of play, although like a Barry Trotz style mm-hmm. of play. Um, that I think goaltending as a whole has just kind of suffered. I know, Bing, you were saying before we started recording that there's really only a rotating cast of at least two well-performing goaltenders in any given season, and the rest are kind of roller coaster riding mm-hmm. through. Um because I mean, even thinking about, it, I feel like Vasilevsky has had a pretty it's a down year. Down year. Uh, he's been him, hurt, which is for what it's worth. But but even then, like it it seems just odd. Yeah. Um, I, I think this year you could argue your two are probably Aiden Hill. I wouldn't even say Not Jake Hellebuck. Ottinger. Hellebuck is definitely sure. in that conversation. No. Um, Swayman has had. I was gonna say Hurts. 
I was gonna say Old Mark and Swayman, you could argue are in that, but they're in that right now. The Bruins are kind of roller coastering. They don't know what they're doing right now. Your your consistent teams, your uh, Vancouver Canucks with Thatcher Demko, your Winnipeg Jets with Connor Hellebuck, um, Aiden Hill with the Vegas Golden Knights. Those are kind of your heavy hitters in the goaltending market, and everyone else is just kind of like almost like they forgot how to goaltend. It's bizarre. Yeah, and you know just. That I mean, if you have uh, more to say on on your point, I'll I'll hold off. But that that was basically my reasoning. I mean, obviously, on top of the things that both of you said, um, when it comes to you know Adam uh, saying that you know defensive style has gone down, and and Matt saying that more aggressive style has gone up, I agree with both those statements, uh, especially the defensive style going going down because you kind of have to, and that's where penalty uh, penalties come from, right? You know, a lot of the times you get pinned mm. in your zone and then you're a step behind a guy, whoops, here's a hook, there's a trip, there's a high stick. Um, you know, that that's that's when you get penalties called on you is when you're a step behind guys and you're not skating, right? So the, the defensive style has kind of stopped because instead of getting into those corners and being a step behind and trying to chase the guy, guys have kind of stepped up their their speed in the defensive zone and it's more just skate Which, through and skate with instead of try to use your stick to to defend and that makes sense because of how fast everyone seems to be getting mm-hmm. i mean he's not you know a star player by any stretch of the imagination but i look at a guy like noah gregor in toronto who has the wheels of a fucking ferrari mm-hmm. and it's unreal but he just doesn't have put up points but then you look at like a Connor mcdavid who is one of the fastest skaters he won the fastest skater competition so mm-hmm. he's in that conversation haven't seen too much of Connor bedard but i imagine he's got wheels on him kel mccarr is known for having wheels on him but i think Connor bedard's more of a hands guy than a wheels guy i think he's just probably he, he's just really good at keeping the puck i mean i don't know if he's like Sidney crosby in his prime good um, but I think he's just really good at keeping the puck on his stick. Maybe not so much in just open ice type of deal, but I mean, Hey, he's young and that could develop. Yeah, anyways. I could, I could very well but, see that developing, but um, I digress. Uh, for me specifically, it's goaltending being obviously not a huge issue, but it just feels like around the league it's, it's goaltending is down, right? There's nobody that's stealing the show anymore. Like if you remember a couple, maybe like a decade ago, right? You had, uh, Carey Price, Martin Brodeur, Carey Price, Tim Thomas, uh, Carey Price Rene. winning it, Carey Price yeah. winning an MVP and like, not winning the cup. The yeah, like it is stuff like goaltenders like that. That like night in and night out, their teams were good, don't get me wrong, but they weren't great. But the goaltending would make the team great. Um, those years are far and away behind us. I don't know if it's a development situation or if goaltending is just not as good as it once was, but you don't have goaltenders stealing games anymore. You don't have these two, one, three, two, one, nothing games much anymore. Cause you don't have guys like, you know, Dominic Hashik or fucking Marty Turco or Ed Belfer. You don't have guys like this anymore. Right. It's, it's this ever flowing or not ever flowing. It's this revolving door of who is really good this month. Right. Like yeah. the Flyers goaltender this, this year right now is Sam Harrison. I know we talk about the Flyers a lot, but it, it's it, it's for the example's sake. He had a hot, hot month last month, right? He had a very good January, end of December, right? And now he's cooled off and he's basically just average at this point. You know, the, I remember back in the day, these goaltenders would remain hot for mm-hmm. months on end, you know? Well, that's it's your thing, you know? That would have been your Vasilevsky's until this year. Vasilevsky right, was yeah. kind of that guy. Um, 
Hellebuck has had his ups and downs. You can't really he he's arguably probably one of the the top goaltenders in the league, but I feel like he just has those hot and cold streaks that kind of prevents him from being in that Vasilevsky level. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden Hill is one right now that's kind of reemerged, and I don't know if it's. I feel like now we're seeing a transition from the the goaltenders that stay are hot and stay hot through a season to now the the emergence of a a new star goaltender. Like right. I feel like every season we're seeing a new goaltender that everyone wrote off as a a backup uh, a minor league guy, never going to, you know, amount to a starting role in on a team and then they just emerge and shut the lights off. Aiden Hill, Jordan Alex Binnington, Lyon. Alex Lyon, Phoenix Copley. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go back even further, which is probably the true start of it, the Hamburglar. Alex ah, there Hammond. he is. Yes. Those, those was guys. Fun. Throwing burgers like, on the ice. They, they come time. in. They make a statement. <laughs> Some of them ride that hot streak for a long time. Others peter out like a Jordan Binnington and a Alex Hammond. Um yeah, Bennington, but at least you Bennington argue, got a cup out of it. So that's... I was gonna say Bennington, you could argue, is still kind of hovering there, but he is not what he was when they won the cup. No, no, um, I mean he, he's good now. Don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah, they, why is when they won the cup and scoring on him was almost impossible? It was it was wild. But I th- I feel like that's kind of the new the new hotness is yeah these goalies kind of emerging and making their presence known, and then it's up to them and their their goaltending coaches to keep that momentum going. And some teams have able to keep that pulse beating with like, like I said, Vegas and Aiden Hill, who I'm still bitter that we got rid of. Cause I knew he was going to be something. Um, yeah, that, was, that was a cup winner. <laughs> that's tough. Um, but you, yeah, that, it's, that's where we're at. I think with goaltending, it's weird. And to kind of piggyback off that to, to a degree. Um, and I'm interested to see what your guys' take on this would be, but there's a distinct difference from the time I was referring to, with those goaltenders to now. And that distinct difference is back then there was a starting goaltender who would mm-hmm. go seven, eight games in a row. Some for some teams, they wouldn't sit for like 20 plus games before getting, getting a seat. If that, um, and now if you have a goaltender go seven games, you're almost like, well, is he not exhausted? Is he going to be okay? You know, does he need a, an IV bag and some oxygen? Um, it, 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 there is something maybe to that. I understand, you know, you want your athletes to be healthier than they have been in the past. And it's, it's a, there's a big concern about, you know, physical health and all that stuff and longevity in a career. I get that. Don't get me wrong, but can you be a consistently great goalie when you sit more often? There's, I, I'm not saying, I don't know. I'm you make a good, you make a very there, good you know? point because yeah. like, like 10 years ago, 12 years ago, there wasn't a, a term of 1A, 1B. Like, starter and backup. Yeah, if you said there's a 1A, 1B, you'd say there was a goalie controversy. Or you'd say like, they just don't have one. Right, if, if right, exactly. Two, or they don't, they, they don't have a true goalie. Yeah. It's like it was never like, oh, yeah, they, they, they get the good tag team. Like, tag team? Like, no. Like, no. Fucking goalies hugging each other. Get yeah. the fuck out of here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And now it's like, you know, you could use the A word analytics and, you know, kind of like understanding the athlete a little bit more of like trying to get the best. Mm-hmm. And now the fact that, you know, 
you know, maybe there are more good goaltenders and bad rather than just good, a great goaltender and then like average goalies to bad average goalies. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, a, I think this is a good place to be. I think organizations rather have this and just have like a, uh, uh, I mean, you could probably Colorado is not the prime example because their goalie is freaking just starting every night. Yeah. Um, but uh, because they don't have a one B. <laughs> yeah, it's because they don't have because they're an example of a team that doesn't have a backup, right? right. I mean, neither neither the Flyers are going to re- refer to them too. I don't even think Winnipeg has a backup. Yeah, well, they they but they do. You they, Winnipeg has Ben Wan. He's had kind of a uh, decent okay. year. When the Flyers aren't, they don't seem to be afraid to use Cal Peterson. They should. They, they should. They probably. He's kind of a wild. God, he's horrendous. Oh my god. He's, I don't think he's horrendous. He's just like a wild card. Like he'll have a good game, or he'll just be bad. Or he's letting there's in no, seven. Like, you don't know which no one. You're real, <laughs> yeah, there's no real middle no consistency. consistency with Zero consistency. It's either he'll play good about... or he'll just play really bad. But that's a it's... true career backup, isn't it? At the at the yeah. heart of it, it's like. There's something, there's something genuinely nice about a career backup, right? A wild card, as as Matt said. A Kevin Weeks. You never Weeks-y. know. You Kevin never Weeks. know. Right? Yeah, Kevin up. Weeks. Is he going to do like a 35-save shutout and look like an absolute He did. Tennis, or is he letting in five goals on five shots and he's already on the bench in the first period? You don't know. You don't <laughs> yeah. know. And there's he something did. genuine about that. that was, that's what makes talk the game to, fun. Talk to yeah. Hurricanes fans. He was an absolute stud. He was an absolute stud for the Hurricanes. And then he was like, oh, now I'm Mark Sambordori's back up. And Henrik Lundqvist, says, Henrik Lundqvist took my job. And <laughs> yeah. Well, then he was Cam Ward's backup, no? In Carolina? Then that's when he got shipped off when Cam Ward came in? He, he might have been. Yeah, I digress. We're just getting lost in, in goalie. We talk love Kevin Weeksen. We love we love Weeksy. We love we love the the forehead. Uh, uh, we love the forehead. Big big uh, big announcements on Twitter. <laughs> Wherever he is, I'm in the parking lot of a Coles uh, trade talk. I'm in the fast. <laughs> I'm in the fast food line. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I'm stuck like, in my closet. I love that stuff. I don't. I I remember when that started. I was like, that's. It was like his first trade deadline being on one of the big networks. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. I think the whole reason he still has a job for the big networks, other than the fact that actually being a good good analyst, is that meme is too damn funny. It happens every and, trade yeah. deadline. It happens to any announcement. He's somewhere. I DM'd. Uh, I don't know why, but for some reason, I was the. I just slid. I slid in his DMs. Slid in his like, DMs. I was like, "We nice. see you are such a. You are such a great, great guy to have in this sport, and you are doing such an amazing job." And he messaged me back. He's like, "Thanks, man. I appreciate it." I'm like, "All right, here's my chance." Then I mentioned him that I have a podcast, and I was like asking for advice <laughs> on how to grow it, and he just completely left me on read. So that sounds you know, about right. I had to I had to shoot my shot with it. He probably tried thought to, you were flirting with him, honestly. Try, try to get try to get him on the podcast. Maybe I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Maybe one um, day he'd come on here. Keep trying with the Flyers front office. It seems to be actually be doing pretty well. I was gonna say it Why seems work? like you got connections. Yeah, I mean we got we got Keith Jones. Hiring. We got Keith Jones out here letting Matt know where he's staying at a hotel in Tampa. I mean that that is a fact. We're not gonna talk about it because I don't want there to be a yeah we don't want gathering at a, at a hotel to go see. Uh, Jonesy, but Keith Jones let Matt know where where the boys stay when in Tampa. So that's just a thing. Uh, so you know, know stay we tuned <laughs> when we interview the Flyers front office. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So obviously, there's a lot of factors into why goal scoring has you know been on the rise in today's in today's league. 
Um, I guess final final bit on it. Um, do you guys like it or no? It's good for the game. It's good for the game. Yeah, no one, okay. it's no one wants to see a a, a snooze fast tight check in one nothing two one hike. They can be good. They can be mm, good. They can be, but people rather see a four three, like seven eight goal game. I'd rather I'd rather I see hockey games all the time. There are sometimes I like a good tight checking one nothing two nothing two one hockey game, but I'd rather see goals push four or five total. That's fair, Adam. What about you? I I'm kind of torn, like because more goals means you're not going to see as many spectacular saves. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, so, and those are, as someone that enjoys watching goalies, uh, play, um, those are the things I like to see, but at the same time, I do agree with fish where people like to see goals. They don't want to see defensive games. Although you could argue soccer has somehow cracked that code of people enjoying low scoring games. Yeah. I'm breaking into that scene now and it's like. God, the the tension is unreal half the time. Um, yeah, but that I feel that's like kind of what that sport's built on, though. That's, that's that, and I feel different. like there's more stakes involved mm-hmm. when it comes to soccer. Like you, you have your your top of the table teams that are fighting for the championship, and everybody else that's just trying not to get relegated. Get relegated, yeah, that's and, and lose everything. Um, that's why I think why there should be a there should be a promotion relegation system in hockey. I would. But I don't know how they'd make it work, but I would not mind seeing that. Honestly. The talent pool would be too thin. That's that's my biggest argument with European soccer and the way that they run with the relegation and promotion system. The the mm. talent pool's too thin. You either are way too top heavy with your good teams or everybody's mediocre. And it's like it's hard to avoid that happening. But um, you know, for me, specifically because I'm 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 a former goalie, I I love a good low scoring game with like good goaltending and tight well, defense. Yeah. But I imagine if you drop 10, your, your sticks are non-existent. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But the, the, the thing is right. Is, is to a degree because there's nothing that's more exciting to me than a 30 plus shot game from both teams. And the score is like two, one. Cause you know, some fuckery has had to have happened for the, mm-hmm. the score to remain there. And both teams are in the 30 shot range. You know what I mean? That's a good so, point. Because those are the kind of like good um, goaltending games where you're like the defense, the def- both defenses have just said, fuck it. We're going to let this guy flop around in there and see what happens. Cause it appears to be working out, you know, um, that is when like Tim Thomas was at his, his peak, man, that Bruins defense when he, when uh, they won that cup um, was that at times fucking awful and watching him just swim around in there doing whatever the hell, needs to be done to to make a save was kind of really cool. And I hate the Bruins. So, you know, that that pains me internally to say that out <laughs> loud. Um, dude, Tim Thomas, one of the coolest goaltenders of all time. That's just I'll I'll die on that hill. That dude was a weirdo and I loved it. Um, but OK, so we have two yays, one kind of kind of day. I get what you're saying, right? Who bets the under at hockey games? That's no fucking fun at all. Life's too short to bet the under. Unless it's, unless it's a guarantee to bet the under. Right, gonna yeah. yeah. You're, putting, you're, you're putting your money on the over because that's what you want to see. And I get it. You know, I get it. Um, all righty. To keep on moving on here, we don't have too much news, but we do 
have trade deadline talk. Our buddy Adam here has been hot on the trade deadline news. So good buddy. Let's talk it up. Uh, I see you have a on the power play trade board as yes, of, I do. Uh, today. Uh, let's go ahead and go through that and, you know, talk about some of the names I'm seeing a lot of one team on here. Yeah. Um, it, for those of you that aren't aware, Calgary is a bad team. They are uh, flopping. They are, they are what we in the business call a seller right now. Um, obviously anyone that's been closely paying attention, Chris Tanev has been all over the trade market for the last, I'd say probably month. He's been rumored to be going all over the place and still hasn't found a landing spot. Um, I've heard Toronto has been in on him. I believe I've seen Carolina and a handful of other teams all kind of circling around Chris Tanev, but no deal has gotten done. Um, So that's why he's kind of capping off our trade board. But in a, what really is a one B on our board is Noah Hannafin, also of the Calgary Flames, uh, who is, only recently gotten uh he heated up in trade talks, it sounds like. Um very similar to uh the third person on our board, Sean Walker, who you boys know has kinda no deals in place yet. Um Flyers don't really know if they're they're gonna get him signed or not. Same situation with Noah Hannafin. It doesn't sound like Hannafin wants to stay in Calgary, so they're working trying to find spots for him. Um, so the, the, those are your top three, all defensemen. So a defenseman heavy trade market for what I'm hearing, defensemen and goaltenders. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I think that's what most of the league, at least the teams that are in the hunt, but still need a little bit of help. That's basically where they want their help. They want to be core and they want a goaltending. I mean, if you look at, we were talking about the devils uh, in this, in this podcast, you look at them specifically, I think they're the hottest on Markstrom right now. Um, yep. Look, Nico Dawes, he's he's okay, and um, Vitek Vanacek's not bad either, but neither of them are as good as Jacob Markstrom. I mean, he's stolen a bunch of games. Calgary should be worse for what it's worth. They, yeah. they sit at 26, 25, and 5 right now um, in 12th in the Western Conference, and they should be worse. Uh, Markstrom has looked real good this season, and he's going to help whoever winds up getting him in a trade. However, he is going to be quite the pretty penny if Calgary does what they need to do. Yeah, especially considering he's not happy about the fact that his name's being chopped. Um, he doesn't, apparently, according to Elliot Friedman, uh, he does not like being bothered during during a season. Um, I don't necessarily blame him. I don't think I would either. I wouldn't either. So the thing is, is Calgary knows this, and in the past they don't really bother him with things like this, like contract talks or anything of that nature, but they brought it forward to him, uh, which means that it's – probably gonna happen it's it's more in the gonna happen realm yeah not gonna happen because they brought it to his attention so interesting there it it would be like you said uh if anybody i feel like it's gonna be the devils Mm -hmm. that land him simply because he was already asked to waive his no trade to go to the devils and he waived it until the deal fell through Mm -hmm. so i i feel like there's already building blocks there but at the same time i wouldn't be surprised not so much in the goaltending market for markstrom I wouldn't be surprised if Vancouver comes back knocking on Calgary's door and grabs a Tanev or Hannafin. Yeah. Um, which Hannafin's younger than yes. Tanev. Tanev's the right-handed shot though. Yep. Um, so yeah. And that's, that's the thing, right? You have two good defensemen. One of them's a right-handed shot and you're, I mean, that's the top line 
D pairing, right? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I didn't even think to look at that. Hold on. One second while I check out Daily Faceoff. I know that Tan has the assistant captain on that squad right now. Um, you know, and that's a great guy to have. Right-handed shot, uh, uh has captaincy experience, has played well in the NHL in the past. That's a, that's a good little piece for any team that's competing right now. That is um, their top pairing right now. I, yeah, so they're shopping their top pairing and their their best goalie. Um what they what Calgary needs to do is they need something back for all that. They that's probably why the Jersey deal fell through. I think I heard rumblings that the asking price from Markstrom, the Devils weren't willing to pay. I don't know if conversations are still going on between those organizations, but um they're they're asking prices high and for for damn good reason. They're they're about to give up pretty much their next three to five years. It looks like they're about to start embarking on a, a rebuild in a way. It's kind of, you know, it's it's those are the kind of trades where teams have decided they're going to go in a separate direction and try try it over again. Maybe not a rebuild per se, but they're going to go in a different direction than where they have been going. Right. That's what happens. You shop your top defenseman and you shop your goalie, right? Or you shop your top forward. Um. So that's interesting coming out of Calgary. And I like that on this board, which I'm assuming you haven't. Have you posted this yet? Oh. I was going to post it probably after we stop recording. All right, so if you want to follow along with us, folks, go ahead and pull up the uh, uh, on the power play um, Instagram, Instagram. OTPP pod on there. The thing I wanted to touch about Walker. Sure, yeah, and, yeah, Because, yeah. like, Walker's been a big name in the Flyers, you know, rumor mill. And a, a big rumor came up just, like, this past week of they might actually re-sign him. And then, you know, everyone, you know, went like, dah, dah, like, why are you going to resign this guy? Like, aren't you in a rebuild? Dah, dah, dah. And then, uh, but uh, I listened to uh, Jason Martinez, who does Flyers Daily for the Flyers YouTube page. And he made a great point of, of like, hey, like, he's played very well for us. Him and him and Sealer have been their most consistent pairing. They haven't broken them up. And he he made the he made the point of the fact that you could you could kind of sign this guy for like a three year contract on the cheaper side and like it'd be the perfect bridge deal for when Bonk is ready. Oliver Bonk, who the mm-hmm. Flyers just drafted in the first round, which makes a whole lot of sense. Like, man, he really could. Like he's twenty he's 28, I believe, right now. Like, get him a three year contract. 29 right now. 29. 29. All right. So he's, yeah. he's still, but still, you know, he's to get him a three year contract. And then by the time that contract's up, it's like Bonk is ready. And right. Oliver Bonk's supposed to be a really, is a really great prospect for the Flyers. The, the question there and, is would he want to sign that three year deal? Yeah. Which, think, is, you know, is, is I think a he would. He, he's a good, he likes the locker room. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I also look at the fact that, like, you know, we are in a rebuild. Um, it, depending on what kind of draft pick you or what you get in return for him. And also the fact that, like, you know, you still have guys down in the Phantoms, the affiliate team, like, you know, Emil Andre, who they're still very high on. They still got Ronnie Adder, who is, you know, a great right-shot defenseman. And I, I was talking to the uh, – because the Flyers had their – uh town hall and i was talking to uh the uh assistant general manager and assistant to the hawk president of hockey operations his name's barry i want to 
make sure I get his uh full name right. But uh, I was talking to him. I was talking to him about um um Jamie Drysdale because you know Jamie's an interesting cat, no doubt. Like you know what they think about him, this, that, the other. And he goes, he's only twenty one years old. And they he made this point. He goes, we like to have defensemen young defensemen play at least like 150 games in the AHL so they can get their feet wet and like develop down there. He goes, now with Jamie, he doesn't need to do that. Like he's NHL ready. Like right. he's an NHL caliber player. But you you make the good point of like, man, like that's a good sample size in the AHL of like knowing what it means to play professional hockey. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, Adder's, played i think this is his second year with the phantoms uh andre joined the phantoms last year but like at during like the second half of the season so like those they want those guys to play that 150 mark down there and i wouldn't be surprised if they want bonk to do the same thing right and you know that 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 brings up a lot of good points into what you do with sean walker then um i I don't think it's um, necessarily the worst idea to sign him to to a bridge deal if he were to a- agree to do so. Um, however, I also think it's in the Flyers' best interest to hear calls on anyone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, ev- not everyone, not everyone, everyone, but like, well, well obviously not typically you just sign him to an eight year deal. Right, but like, but not roster, like- you got to at least listen. Right, you're not. I don't think the Flyers are are actively shopping right now because of where they stand in the, uh, or not. Sorry, uh, actively um, Sell. broadcasting anyone um, yeah. because of where they are in the standings, which makes sense, right? If you don't need to sell, you don't need to sell. But I do think that they have their phone uh, volume turned up. You know what I mean? Like they are answering the phone and seeing like what like what are you willing to offer? And if there's an offer that they they just truly can't refuse for a Sean Walker or a Scott Lawton, they, I think they will take it and it makes yeah. sense. Right. I they think said that's, they, they said they will. Right. Cause that's where the team is right now. Like they're, right. they're kind of um, out kicking the coverage right now. A lot of, a lot of guys are playing above what you would assume their play uh, would be, which is, which is great. You know, as far as like being a fan of the team, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. Um, but you know, at the same time, the team has to remember where they are organizationally, right? Most of your talent or what's going to, you know, perceived to be your talent is still either uh, in, in college juniors, uh, the minors or overseas, right? So Russia, yeah, the the mad (laughs) Russian himself. Um, But you know, that's, that's where the organization is right now. And I think it, it, the flyers like the team they have now, which is great. But they're obviously listening to the phone calls. You know what I mean? Because Scott Lawton's on this board too, and that's a guy. I think that might be the only guy on the roster they're actively shopping because we've talked about this on the podcast before. The whole league has center issues too, right? Yeah. You know, the well, uh, that's yeah. been a staple. Like I don't yeah, think I mean, there's ever been a team that didn't have center issues. Yeah, I mean, center depth is one of the most important things that any Stanley Cup winning team has. Um, and I, obviously, Scott Lawton is not a, a you know blow you away kind of center. But he's good defensively. He can win defensive uh, faceoffs, and he's a decent fourth line, third line center, right? And a lot of teams are desperate for one of those. So I think that's the only guy that the Flyers are actually probably actively shopping, um, if if not just listening to phone calls. You know what I mean? Which 
uh, I think is is good for where that team is. I think both the teams that we've talked about so far, the the Flames and the Flyers, are doing exactly what they should do as an organization in the situation that they're in, which is you know um, kind of weird because sometimes you you see the trade deadline, you look at organizations doing whatever they want. And it's like, are, have you thought this through? Do you do you know what you're doing? Um, like for example, the fact that we only see one penguin on this list is kind of disturbing because that team needs to fire sale. It's I, I'm look, I know that the whole, the whole meme is that the penguin's going to penguin. I get that. Right. I do. <laughs> um, however, currently sitting in 12th at 56 points, you know, not far off the mark, but they're, you know, almost 10 points away on the clip from, from the last spot. Right. So, you start to look at that, and their goal differential is terrible. Oh, and actually, no, their goal differential is not bad. But I mean, their um, power play is horrendous. Um, everybody looks a step slower on that roster right now. The goaltending has not been great. It is not great for this organization right now. And the fact that only Gensel winds up on this list is a little concerning. I would think they'd be doing a bit more um shopping around and seeing what they could get for some of their players but you know i i digress there's 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 times where teams think they're in a different spot than they are but um what do you guys think about you know because i don't know, i think gensel's been struggling too so like do you think do you think that the uh pittsburgh penguins could could be shopping more than just gensel or do you think that they think that they're better than they are right now well i mean when i just put together this list um Gensel, for the last maybe month, has been the only Penguin I've ever heard mentioned in any trade talks. That could be because I think he's on a on the he's last year hurt. of his deal. He's right also now. Hurt. Oh, is he right, right now, now? He is hurt. Yeah, he's out actually till um I think the week after the deadline. Um, which is actually why he's lower on this list. I was gonna put him a little bit higher. Um, but because of the injury and everything, I ended up putting him middle of the pack. Um. Mm-hmm. But I look at the Penguins roster and I don't know who else they try and shop because you're not going to shop Crosby. You're not going to shop Malkin. You can't shop Carlson or Latang. Right. Think. And nobody's going to touch your goaltender. So at that point, you're shopping bottom grouping guys that might fetch you something. Probably right. won't. So they're kind of... In terms of like the top ten of the board, they're kind of handcuffed. Um, but at the same time, I I just honestly don't think they're they're shopping too much. I think they're gonna wait till the off season to really kind of reassess what they have and try and figure out where they're gonna go. Um, I think Gensel will probably get moved, but there's a lot of people that also have the sense that there's a good chance that Dubis might just say. We're going to sign them and we're going to stick to our guns like what he did in Toronto. So mm, that might not want be what Pittsburgh wants to no, see. No, absolutely not. Um, not the time for that, right? But it's like, who who knows? I, I, I couldn't tell you because I don't even know what Pittsburgh should do. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like I said, you, you're not going to and you really can't trade Crosby. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if... Or Malkin. I mean, Malkin, this trade deadline, I don't think. But I could see a situation where at the offseason, they might say, look, we got to get younger. 
we have to move you. I think they trade the Tang before they trade. Malkin. I I would think so too, but no. you never know. I don't know because right. it wasn't there a whole story when Malkin Malkin's deal was up that he was kind of looking to leave. It's not that he was looking to leave, but I think he told the organization he would he would understand and he wouldn't like be upset, upset about it type of deal. So where, that could be, you know. be a situation that you you rediscuss at you know at the draft at the end of the year. Um, but I do agree that you know with how poor the Penguins have been, the fact that only Gensel cracks the top ten on the list is a little yeah. concerning. But at the mm-hmm. same time, knowing the roster that I I I'm thinking of. I don't know who else would crack this list. Yeah, who's who's biting on anybody else right. in that roster? I mean, maybe Marino on the defensive side. Um, maybe, but I don't. But that would just be somebody trying to get defensive depth and maybe offload something or other. Yeah. You no, know, that's not. You're not going to get anything competitive for that kind of player. So you bring up a good point. Gensel might be the only guy they can shop effectively and actually get something in return. Um, the last guy I kind of want to talk about on this list, um, just because it's, it's, it's interesting because we were already talking about goalies, um, UC Soros, he's an interesting one, especially with the, you know, current state of Nashville right now, they are tied for the last spot in the wild card. And a huge reason for that is their goaltending, right? UC Soros has had a hell of a year. Um, so do they do they really shop the one of the main reasons they're even in a position to maybe even compete for a playoff spot, right? Because without that goaltender they're getting out of Saros, I'm pretty hard pressed to to think that they'd make the playoffs or even stay competitive, right? I, I mean, I know that they're kind of on the end of their competitive arc from the last couple of seasons. Um but still, it feels like that is a strange thing to do with that organization being where they are right now. Um, but I talk about it some teams that could benefit from having a guy like UC Soros, right? Right. Um, you're talking talk about the Devils, right? You're talking about um, a team like the – even a team like uh, Toronto could maybe benefit from UC Soros, you know? I don't know if they could goaltending issues. Um, Detroit, I mean, look, I like Alex Lyon, don't get me wrong, but you could always get better at the goaltending position, and especially so, a team like that that's slightly on the rise. Um, you know, things of that nature. So, uh, a little uh, inside baseball. Ooh, UC Soros was originally not going to be on this list when I was first making it. That spot was originally Marc-Andre Fleury's. Ooh, okay. Which... Um, honorable mention, Mark Andre Fleury. I would probably put at eleven if this was like a top fifteen list. He would probably mm-hmm. be eleven. Um, I have a feeling that he might get moved out of Minnesota. Minnesota, I think they're they're sniffing a playoff spot, but I think there's other teams that they're two points back of the okay. spot in the West. So, you know, with the goaltending market the way it is, they could retool, uh, maybe get somebody else. Deal Flurry too. I've heard Colorado's name mentioned for Flurry, mm-hmm. which I think would be an interesting fit. Um, but when I was going through TSN's trade board, Chris Johnson's trade board, Bleacher Reports trade board, um, and I came across UC Soros, it reminded me of something that I had seen um a day or two ago from Michael Gallagher, uh, saying that apparently the situation. Four sorrows could be a lot more serious than originally believed. 
and there could actually be a deal coming at some point. Um, and some of the teams involved, Carolina, LA, and New Jersey. Yeah. Well, I mean, you knew New Jersey was going to be in the mix. I think they're in the mix for any possible goaltending help that they can uh, receive at at this juncture. Um, and and for good reason, right? It's not that goaltending has held them back, but definitely having something more solid. I mean, you, you have Jack Hughes calling out goaltending in a post game interview while on the ice still not a great look, Jack, by the way. Um, so, but then you also couple that with the fact that they've got um, Askarov in the mm-hmm. minors, yeah. who is basically primed to be Saros's replacement anyway. Right. Um. So you you move Saros out, bring Askarov in, and use him as the piece that you're going to re- rebuild around, kind of like what they did with Rene and Saros a few yeah. years back. Basically, kind of run that back. Um, I, so... I miss Pecorino, man. Hell yeah, of a so do... he was, dude. I, I bet the Predators miss him too. Um, um yeah, I, yeah that was the surprise one for me when i put this board together that i was like yeah soros is apparently being shopped out there that is the thing that's happening yeah i mean and it's not completely surprising right because you can you could get a decent return for him and if you know the Absolutely. teams if the team's kind of middling right now uh, there are a lot there a lot of organizations have done themselves disservice by going into trade deadlines kind of in the position that the, the predators are right now and deciding to buy and trying to make a run at it. Um, instead of realizing that they're kind of in a spot of mediocrity and you kind of have to get a little worse to mm-hmm. get better, you know, not completely tank, but get a little worse to get better draft pick. Um, and by getting better draft picks is by trading away top talent. That's just, yeah, that's... That just is what it is. Um, the unfortunate aspect of the sport is you want to get right. better, you got to get rid of the people you like. Well, that's the unfortunate aspect of any sport, really. If you if you want to get better as a team, get younger as a team, you are going to have to trade away, you know, fan favorites, team favorites, and guys that have been with the organization for a while. That's just how it has to be. Um, so, you know, you, you look at UC Saros, and there's a chance that he gets shopped, and he could definitely help um, some teams that are having goaltending issues, even some good teams out there that are having goaltending issues. Um, other than that, though, boys, I think that ought to do it. I think so. I don't think any news broke while we yeah. were doing this. Yeah. Um, we'll probably have so many trades to talk about. Puck oh my god, yeah, but... it's gonna be wild soon. Uh, get ready for that. I'm not, and, I'm not gonna lie, I feel like this might be a down year for the trade deadline. See, you had to say it, you had to say it out loud. You screwed yourself, Adam. Um, listen, please, I'll, please. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay with that because it'll be an exciting deadline. But then I will be punching myself while I'm doing everything yep. during the yep. deadline. Yep. But yep. thankfully, I will be home that day, so I don't have to worry yeah. about bullshit. Yeah, just just so you know, folks, always please go follow us on our social medias at OTPPpod on both X and Instagram. Adam runs those bad boys. He does a phenomenal job with it, and he is who you want uh, to – these are the pages you want to be on during trade, de- trade deadline time, right? If you're, uh, if you're a stick it to the man kind of person, you don't want to follow the big pages and, you know, all the million, million dollar companies. We make no money for this podcast. And Adam's out here grinding on trade deadline day and, you know, putting together these posts and making sure the news is, is there and it's fast. He does a fantastic job. So please go follow us on, on the socials at OTPP pod on both X and Instagram. Go ahead, Adam, and plug that Twitch while you're at it. Twitch.tv slash on the power play. Things are moving. Things are shaking. Uh, listen to like the last five podcasts. You'll, you'll know where I'm at. Uh, 
coming soon twitch.tv slash on the power play all righty folks um that will do it for this episode again as always thank you so much for hitting play on these and we out Woo.